I came into aviation via the civil engineering, having served my article pupilage with a civil engineer, an AMICE, uh, C.R. Cooper, at Wimbledon. I then uh, went into a consultant's office in Westminster, a gentleman of the name of Havelock Case. In 1914, I saw an advertisement of the paper uh, from Vickers asking for a, a te technician need have no uh, knowledge of aviation. And I went down to Crayford and was interviewed by R.K. Pearson, the result of which I was engaged by Vickers as assistant technician in the technical office. Not very long after that, uh, R.K. Pearson was made chief designer, and I slipped into his shoes as chief technician. In those uh, days, uh, Howard Flanders was the, uh, had been taken on as the uh, chief designer. Unfortunately, his first aircraft uh, developed trouble, uh, which uh, turned out later to be aileron reversal but we didn't know anything about those things in those days. And uh, uh, Major Bertie Wood, superintendent of Becker's Aviation, uh, gave uh, poor Howard Flanders the, the sack and put Arcade Pearson in his place. The gun bus was the uh, chief aircraft at that time, and that had been engineered by a man of the name of Challenger, who left uh, the aviation at the end of the war. But he was a first-class engineer, and uh, the, the whole of the gun bus was, practically the whole of the gun bus was made in metal, and uh, metric systems were used throughout. That was the only aircraft that was used from that day to this in uh, metric systems. The chief test pilot during the war period at Vickers was Harold Barnwell, the brother of Frank Barnwell of Bristol. But there were about 30 types put through during the war as the process of design was so simple in those days. We knew very little about anything as there were practically no technical books on the subject. We were very ignorant on that. Uh, many of the technical services which we've become conversant later. I mentioned already aileron reversal. There was also spiral grain in the spars, which unfortunately killed the pilot when it was discovered. The pressure instability and the gyroscopic forces uh, in controlling pressure aircraft. Towards the end of the war, Vickers became interested in flying boats and immediately after the war proceeded to design uh, two flying boats at uh, Weybridge. One was the, the Viking, which won a competition which had been set up by the government. The other one was a very large machine. 120,000 pounds. Unfortunately, we had very low loadings 
wing loadings in those days in the order of 10 or 11 pounds a square foot. And a weight of this amount made an enormous machine. This was suffered under the Geddes Acts after the war. Owing to the Geddes Act, uh, heavy reductions in staff had to be made from Vickers, and I was I lost my job there and joined so-called Professor A. M. Lowe, uh, working on uh, experimental engines, and I at that time I designed a motor motor bicycle, which I was very proud. Soon after this. I went to the English Electric and joined W.O. Manning, working on the uh, P5 Corp, which later was converted to the Kingston, uh, the Air, uh, a flying boat, and the, the little Wren, which won the competition at Lymph for the light-powered glider. In, in 1923, I joined S.E. Saunders at Charles as chief designer, and from then to the, my retirement age, I was, I was responsible for the, all the aircraft produced, uh, 13 or 14 in, in, in all. The, the first aircraft I worked on was the Valkyrie, which uh, reproduced, to some extent, the construction of the P-5 in elastic wood construction. The following, the next machine, was the A-7, a, a three-engine uh, machine fitted with Bristol engines. This machine went on a cruise in company with other flying boats up to the Baltic, and uh, where it was crashed, but not so severely that it couldn't be flown home. This is where the flexible hull came into its own. The aircraft industry after the war was in a very difficult position as there was practically no money available for it for experimental or production aircraft, particularly flying boats. And we were all pleased to get one machine at a time on order. The next machine that came along was the A-27, which was a twin-engine version of the three-engine A-7 to suit a specification emanating from Coast Command. Uh, this machine eventually became the London and was ordered in uh, some quantities. Uh, S.E. Saunders hadn't been too, doing too well financially up to this time and were very short of money. And when A.V. Rowe and John Lord left Avrose, they came over to S.E. Saunders and took an interest in the in the firm, and the firm then became uh, Saunders Row. The, the first machine we put through then was the Cutty Sark, 
which was built in a very short time, three or four months, and flown before going to the aero show. This was proven successful. We had orders for it, and it was followed by the Windhover, which was a similar type of machine, but with three gypsy engines. A larger version was then built, uh, which was well known as the Cloud. Uh, this one, this engine was different, uh, a variety of engines, and uh, finally went into use in the in the coastal in coastal command uh, as a, a navigational trainer. Saunders Row also had uh, some interest in land planes, and a little fighter was built uh, with Rolls Royce engines. This did not go into production, but later on we built the Spartan cruisers, which were operated on uh, various internal services. The first of these was a wooden machine, but later on they were made in metal. We're talking talking about metal aircraft. The uh, A7, which I mentioned earlier, was the first of the metal machines, and from then on, practically everything uh, in flying boats was in metal. We had the usual troubles with corrosion in the very early days, and at one time uh, we used them with, with stainless steel bolts. However, corrosion was overcome fairly rapidly, and later aircraft had no trouble whatever. An interesting development we made was to use corrugated plating uh, so that stringers could be avoided. This was used on the Cutisart Windhover Cloud series and on the Londons. During this period, A.V. Rowe uh, was uh, very much in evidence. He used to come in with little ideas for gadgetry, etc., and I had to try and employ these useful adjuncts to the aircraft for, for his peace of mind. But later on, he got them intensely interested in financial uh, organi reorganization, and I found it quite easy to divert him from aircraft design by just mentioning how is your financial problem going. Um, A.V. was an extremely friendly soul, which was always very approachable, and a pleasant character in every way. But about this time, A.V. was knighted for his work in early aircraft and its first flights. In 1936, a specification was issued for a twin-engine flying boat to be rather faster than 
the old types, which had appeared hitherto with about 120 miles an hour speed, this uh, eventually uh, was the Lerwick, which went into production and was used in the early stages of the war. Um, a large flying boat was worked on in the beginning of the war, and about the middle of the war, the ministry decided that a similar aircraft, being developed by Schultz, uh, should be merged with the one which Saunders Row were building. And we then came into uh, association with Arthur Gouge in the design of what eventually uh, developed into the Shetland. The Shetland uh, was the largest flying boat uh, fitted with four Centaurus Bristol engines and was intended for independent operation with, with coast command. Incidentally, all flying boats uh, in the between war periods were intended to operate away from bases uh, being maintained on the water at anchor and refueled at the mooring uh, with the petrol poured through funnels into the tank. About 1945, we received a specification from the ministry for the design of an aircraft to mount twin axial flow turbines. These were the turbines designed by Metropolitan Vicar by Dr. Smith, uh, named the Beryl. Incidentally, this reminds me of that in the early days of Felix Cove, I was spoken to by a friend there who said, you ought to have a conversation with one of our flight lieutenants here. She's got some mad idea for a new engine. I was introduced to, to Frank Whittle over there, and he explained to me what his proposal was. I don't think many people believe that what he's proposing would work. I certainly had my doubts. Whittle's engine was, of course, centrifugally blown, but the engine uh, which we were asked to put in our small flying boat was the first of the British axial blown engines. This aircraft, known as the SRA-1, was eventually flown by Geoffrey Tyson and made its appearance at Farnborough Show, uh, flying close to the ground, upside down. Geoffrey Tyson was one of the best-known pilots of the day and piloted all our flying boats, including the Princess, which I shall be mentioning later. At this time, uh, Arthur Gouge, who was later knighted, joined the firm. This was either 1943 or 44. 
Gauss, of course, had been connected with flying birds for very many years, and was so well known in connection with the early empire flying birds and their derivatives, including the, the Sunderland. I have mentioned that we came into contact over the Shetland, and uh, later on with the uh, princess flying birds, uh, we collaborated, and I found him a, a very pleasant man to work with. Arthur Gouge came into the company as vice chairman and remained so until the takeover by the Western Company. Just after the war, the Babism Committee issued a series of specifications for development aircraft in the near future. Unfortunately, in this list, flying boats were not included. Uh, after considerable lobbying, we managed to get a specification drawn up for what eventually became the Princess Flying Boat. Uh, in the early days, this started with a quite small, relatively small machine, but as the uh, BOEC requirements came into it, uh, range, passenger load, and so on being increased, the machine grew in size, and finally finished up with a 10-engine aircraft, eight engines being coupled in pairs with two single, single engines. The machine weighed about 320,000, which is, was quite a big weight for those days. Uh, three of these aircraft were built, and the first one was flown. Unfortunately, the engines, the Proteus, were not fully rated, and the machine was limited in its performance. A hundred hours were flying time was made on the aircraft, but they were finally grounded, awaiting the supply of new engines for fully full rate. Unfortunately, Bristol found it necessary to redesign the engine, the Proteus, and by the time this came through, the princess had been waiting so long that it had to be cocooned, and nothing came of it in the end. In about 1962, I was over 60, and they decided that a new man should be brought in to carry on with the new land plane which was under design. This was Maurice Brennan, who is now with Hawker Sidley. Of course, all flying boats have been tested at Beemstow by the pilots of Coast Command. The technical work uh, throughout the period when I have had contact with them uh, was um, in charge of H.M. Garner for the Emmons.
M-A-E-E appears so was the equivalent of the land-based aircraft testing station at Marcosham. For the half century I've been in aviation, much of it connected with flying boats, seems to have covered the birth and the life and the death of flying boats because they have now disappeared along with airships, etc. Except for a few specialized machines used in Canada for forestation, sea rescue, 